puts it on to toe. There is no Wallaby at the back. It just has to sit up, and it does. Ollie, over he goes. Claire Foley scores the try. The Wallabies are back, baby. Hello everyone and welcome back to another hit of the Fox Sports Rugby Podcast. I'm Sean Maloney back in the studio with Sam Worthington and Stephen Hoyles and we are all smiles around the table because for the first time since the World Cup last year we have our pod up and running and it is a Wallabies win we're discussing. Though this is the best. Long overdue, isn't it? Uh, it was. I think it's actually about ten months since we've we've had a war. Three hundred twenty-one days it was between wins. Really? Quite extraordinary. Did you not watch the show? Yeah, I did, but I thought you were just throwing a number up. Three hundred twenty-one days. Mate, I, calc- mate, I calculate the final was in November. So, no, but the semi was the semi was October, obviously against Argentina last year. Wow. That was the last time we won. Yeah. So, three hundred twenty-one days it yeah. was between drinks. See how angry you got when you said did you not watch the show? Look, you should have. You should know that because yeah, I started the other rugby show the other night. I came out with a whiteboard with that you number came out? on it. Oh, with the whiteboard. With the no, whiteboard. I saw that, and I th- I thought that was a bloody good start to the show. But I just thought you fudged the numbers as Can't we normally do on TV. <laughs> <Can't> <laughs> he's, fudge. he's a professional. Come on. Can't fudge. He's done his Mate, I love stats. Yeah, you know, I love you're, stats. You're just man. like just like my colleagues love stats. Yeah, well, stats is what makes the world. Shout go out around. to the stats team. Yeah, they're good. The Fox Sports Lab team. They don't get Fox. enough love. I don't think. The nah, stats team. no, no. Good, good ones here too, and they would have enjoyed some of the numbers that the Wallabies posted at the weekend after coming from 14-3 down to defeat the Springboks aside who have caused us all manner of headaches over years previous, but they show they have the metal, guys, to hang tough and to dig in when they need to. Yeah, it was a, a tense game, wasn't it? And I think the Wallabies were certainly um, deserved of, the, of that victory. Uh, the Springboks scored sort of two opportunistic tries uh, early on to open up that lead, which is how they tend to often score their tries through intercepts or against the run of play. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it wasn't pretty, but it was probably never going to be pretty, especially in those conditions. So they've ground out a win. They've, uh, they've got that monkey off the back, all the, all the cliches, and now they can hopefully set about uh, playing some good footy over in Perth. Well, I think that's the important thing. So... You know that they weren't ecstatic. You know they were obviously relieved. That was the big word you kept hearing. They were relieved, and even heard a couple of players mention. You know, probably a little bit of anxieties crept out of their game, which is good. I, I thought the way they played the game in those conditions was a lot riskier. You know, Quaid does that to a team, and I, I really like that. The fact that a few little flick passes out the back, and it also not just Quaid playing that way, but when he starts to play like that, you saw Izzy, you know, loosens up a bit, and he starts to play a little bit more. Uh, unstructured, and, and I believe that's the way that the Wallabies, well, that'll suit this Wallaby side. Samu Karevi seems to enjoy that, so I like the fact that they had to play a little bit differently to get that result, and they were down 14-3 at one stage after that intercept from uh, Strauss that set up that the second try, so they did really well to get themselves back into the game. Just uh, on that, I thought Will Genia and Quade Cooper, from watching from the stands, looked to be a lot sharper, a lot more in tune. They were slipping back to when they were at their best. It just felt like that, watching it live uh, inside Suncorp, that they were starting to rediscover that beautiful partnership that brought such great results for the Reds and, uh, to a lesser extent, the Wallabies through 2011 into 2012. Yeah, Will Guinea has been um, the pick of the Wallabies uh, for me in the Rugby Championship, which is a great effort for a guy who was out for a long time with surgery. So this is his first rugby um, of any level, um, straight back into the Rugby Championship, 80 minutes against the All Blacks, and, and he really is uh, sort of acting as the conductor out there, isn't he? Um, even though that's normally your, your fly half, but Guinea has um, clearly taken on a real leadership role role there and he's one of the real crucial players in in the Wallabies team at the moment Bernard Foley as well you know what he could have he could have he could have dropped his head. He could have, he could have gone like a bastard after gifting a fourteen-point swing to the Springboks. 
Kept the head up, scores a try late in the game. I thought that took a little bit of metal to get that done. Well, we ha- we saw Burn on Thursday. He did a little bit for the other rugby show that you'll see next couple of weeks. But he saying to him, yeah, how are you going at 12? Are you enjoying it? He said, oh, mate, it's, a, it's the same for me. I've just He was happy. He was fine. Happy to play a role. And you don't often see that, but you know, it shows the, the class of the guy. And, and I thought, you mentioned 9 and 10. I thought Genia and Quaid were great, but... 10, 12 and 13, mm. that was a really good combination. Samu Karevi was, was very good. He, he seemed to enjoy playing outside Bernard and vice versa with Quaid. So, yeah, that, that's a really important part of the game. Like, we haven't been able to settle on a 10, 12, 13 for probably a, since the World Cup, mm-hmm. um, similar to second row. But those combinations, we need to pick and stick and, and hopefully they'll do that now. Yeah, do you, do you think that is a long-term pairing that can work, though, Cooper and Foley? I'm not not quite sold on that one yet, and I know there's already calls that Reese Hodge will be the, the long-term number 12 for the Wallabies, perhaps. I know uh, Rod, Rod Kafer was pretty uh, keen on that. Well, look, he could be, but Reese Hodge could also be the long-term 13. So there's there's all these different options, but I, I think you've got to, for a while, especially now with the injuries that Australian rugby have to that uh, tw- 10, 12, 13 area, I think was, there's no Guido, Tamua, Rob Horn, Lele Fano, um, they're all unavailable. So I think if, you, if you're going through that squad at the moment, you've just got to try and pick a squad that's going to get you through the end of your Grand Slam. And that's, that's for me, Hodge may be a long-term prospect, but I'd be giving the, the same guys had a crack on the weekend. I'd be giving them as much time together as possible. Going back to the Super Rugby opener this year between the Western Force and the Melbourne Rebels, where Reese Hodge made his debut, scored two, two tries in that game, and just showed there that when making that next step up, he was playing out of position that night that he did it with ease. And every step he's taken along that way has done it with minimum of fuss. Just gets in, gets it done, doesn't appear to get rattled. It's incredible. There's a couple of moments there where he came off his wing and just looked for a, f- a bit of extra work. And at one stage, I thought, who, who was that for that had a hit up? It was Reese Hodge. So he rolls the sleeves up. Again, I don't actually... We've watched a lot of him play, whether it be club footy or NRC and Super Rugby now, but I actually don't know what position he, his preferred is. He's got a huge boot, so then sometimes you think 10, 12 or 15. But there's a lot of him that reminds me about a Sterling Mortlock who you know started on the wing and got a lot of experience playing on the wing, but then three, four, five years later, became a world-class centre. So I'd probably like to see him out of that midfield just for another, you know, the next six to 12 months at test level. And he's, he's done a good job on the wing so far. I'd probably like to see him float in and around. And, and maybe he's our utility back that we haven't had for a while. There was one game last year that Hodgie played in the NRC. I think he might have been at full-back and he was terrible. Yeah, I remember that game. <laughs> it yeah. was so bad. And again, and that's why if you, if you give someone a roaming role, which is what you get as a winger, you don't get that as a 12. And that's you've got to be careful because when Czech plays his 10s and 12s, they're ball players and you've got to be in certain positions and people are relying on you. He just strikes as a player at the moment that's reading the game and can pick mm. his moment. So... So the wing for me is the one where I keep him. Yeah, no, he uh, he looked good and has done so all the way through. As we said, up front, Adam Coleman continues to impress. A big, rangy, long-legged, bow-legged unit from the Western Force. Obviously out of Tassie initially and has great reach, great power, fellas. He's, he looks well-suited at a test level and I think he showed that again on Saturday night. Yeah, he does look the part, and he was actually calling the Wallabies lineouts uh, at the weekend, I believe, which is a really big responsibility considering that Dean Mum um, was out there. You would have thought that he would have had that job, but uh, Coleman apparently was calling them, and it seemed to function pretty well, and he's got that, that mongrel that you want um, at test level. So, yeah, he, he certainly looks the part. I think he's got 12 stitches in his uh, lip, and he's uh, eating through a straw this week, but, um, yeah, he, he just looks like he's, he's built for test footy, much like Reese Hodge. There was a moment late in the game, just before he got substituted, and... I think it was just around the time where he smashed his face and there was blood pouring from him. And I was watching from the stand, so it was a fair way away. But he got 
made a big tackle, got himself rattled, almost looked concussed, um, got himself to his feet and, and stumbled around a little bit and then made a desperate last-minute tackle, grabbed someone down from behind. And it was just a tiny moment where I thought the guy's got he's got something that you know not a lot of people have just to be able to push through a bit of pain. And besides his physical attributes, he's one of the tallest in Australian rugby besides the Arnold twins. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, we've seen him for a long time now and I think he's going to be in that, that squad for a long time. And similar to the, the 9, 10, 12, 13 combination, that might be the first time in back-to-back weeks they've named the same second rowers yeah, probably yeah. since the World Cup. And, yeah. and that's crucial for me because if you look at second rowers, it's probably the one position that we've been um, in and are in about for 18 months. So Kane Douglas and him, they have a good balance. You know, um, Kane's the, the grinder, the hard worker, looks for big hits, whereas Adam Coleman looks for all that, but he's got a bit of skill as well. You're an ex-back rower, mate. Dean Mum over Scott Fardy was um, a little bit of a surprise selection to, to many. Um, did you think he did enough to retain his place? Well, the line-out functioned better, and that was, in my opinion, probably why they made that call. So, uh, look, I, I still think we're lacking someone like you know, Cliffy Palu in his, in his peak. That's what I'd probably think we, we'd need. I'd like to see a bit more of Sean McMahon, but I, but I do understand McMahon, Hooper and Pocock together isn't really the balance we're after. So, um, you know, Angus Cottrell got himself injured. The big one for me, and, and not many people are talking about him because he's been injured for a while, the one that I look and go, who's going to be our our long-term ball-running, line-out jumping back row, it's Jed Holloway. I thought that from mm-hmm. the minute I saw him play Super Rugby and, and years before that, but he's just had a, a bit of bad luck with his injury. So that that's the long-term one for me, and he's probably got to do a little bit more to impress Michael Checker. But, um, yeah, at the moment, you've got to stick with the winning combination from the weekend, so that's what you go with. Yeah, I think uh, you're probably right that consistency is the way to go. Uh, Cam Shepard, though, threw up a, uh, an interesting um, you know, selection choice that he'd make during the week. With um, He'd put Folau to the wing, um, Bernard Foley to fullback, and, and Reese Hodge at, at 12, which is interesting. And uh, The more I think about it, Folau on the wing um, does have a lot of merit, doesn't it? Because he, he, he doesn't have a huge work rate off the ball, sort of covering territories. His kicking game's not the best. And, and on the wing, you can really roam, roam around and, um, and, and get your hands on the, on the pill. But I'm guessing then you have to reset uh, defensively and put easy to fullback because you can't squander a guy who oh, he was unbelievable under the high ball on the weekend. Watching the game, I watched the game with John Schmidt, former Springbok captain, World Cup winning skipper, one of the great human beings. I just want to throw that in the mix right now. John You've Schmidt. You've got a man crash, don't you? Totally. Between him and Brad Thorne, it's a toss up. Oh. Both World Cup winners. Yeah. <laughs> Both would be different in their different ways, um, but he's a champion. He was such good value. So yeah, I watched it with uh, Brandon Cannon, Brandon Cannon, and uh, and Schmitty, Schmitty Bacall, yeah. uh, and he was amazed. He's uh, watching Izzy go about his work. Just said, "Look at this guy's freak. He's unbelievable under the high ball." And I don't know, did Shep really say that? Yeah, I'm a bit. Um when, when people I'd come out and suggest other positions, 15. I think Israel Folau, I don't really care what number he wears on his back, but and I, th- I believe the Wallabies do this, Waratahs have done it. They put him in positions and it rotates all throughout the game and I just don't think people notice it, but mm. he defends at fullback because that's where they kick and if you want a, someone catching your high ball, there's no better in the world. So um, on certain plays, they have him in the front line. Other plays, they have him on the wing. They have him on the blind wing. So he moves around all game. I, I, I think everyone's entitled to their opinion, but... I, when, I want to know when Shep said this because I know that Shep and Swaney were up calling NRC the NRC in Tamworth on Sunday night. I think it was night. four hours after that Tamworth game. It must game. have been a couple of hours after at the home of the Magpies in Tamworth because I don't, reckon a, I don't reckon a sober Shep would say that. Oh, yeah. uh, my, my sources tell me he was reasonably sober. I think Christy Doran uh, gave him a call and he was... Okay, he Lindsay. Was, uh, Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay was on the, on the blower. <laughs> and uh, that was the configuration he came up with. So, gotcha. uh, I don't know. People, people think that players are wasted out on the wing but they're actually not 
not at all. You can. Yeah, I agree with that yeah. point. But I also, I also almost get a little bit sick and tired of talking where Izzy should play. Like I think Michael Checker, Stephen Larkham, Nathan Gray probably know this best, and they're constantly, as I said, they're constantly trying to find different setups off different starter players and different counter attacking opportunities to get him in the best position to. The to number get on the backs yeah. irrelevant it, it to, is, yeah. to a large degree. Yeah. Okay, so that is a win to the Wallabies. The Springboks have been slammed in the SA Press off the back of their it's a brutal loss. game, isn't it? Well, you know what? Uh, the Wallabies think they get it bad. You know, Michael Checker came out and said there was a loud few that he'd taken issue with who'd taken aim at the Wallabies over recent weeks. Do you think who you're are one of those? No, because I'm never critical of the national what team. What if they hear this stuff you say off here? Well, might be a different story. No, 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 no. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not critical. No, I, so I want him to win. Yeah. But you're I'm a Wallaby fan. I'm a, I'm a fan first and foremost. Fan for life. I'm a fan for life, and I don't. I don't want to get down SFL. on anyone because I know things can swing pretty quick, and then I want to be there to ride the good times as well. So yeah. suffer through the bad. Uh, who, who are the loud few though? I'm, I was intrigued to know who the loud few are. I'm surprised you didn't call them out by name. Oh, I think there was, you know, like the Clyde Rathbone article caused a stir. But if you know Clyde, he's a very um, he writes very differently and you've got to respect his opinion so I don't have a problem with quite, with what Clyde said to be honest I think that was, would have been one of them but at the same I'm completely with you like it was only you know 320 days ago that every, <laughs> that's that, a lot of days yeah but I'm saying it was only <laughs> back of the World Cup last I year I know we're all on board. everyone was so proud Probably. of them and yep. you can't expect to be proud of them one month and then when it's not going well kick them when they're down I just find that really yep. disappointing so They've had a tough run, and I know for a fact that uh, Lottie Dekiri presented the jerseys to the team last week, and, mm-hmm. and his message was something along the lines of, there's everyone out there is, is you know, putting a bit of uh, criticism on you, and if I was you guys, I would just use all of that, turn it all around, and, and unite. And that was what they kind of went with from Thursday, Friday onwards, and it was just all about them. So that siege mentality works, and as a coach, you, you love it when you've got a siege mentality. Australia's been fantastic as underdogs over the years. We need to learn how to... You know, play good footy, stay on top, and then you know keep improving like the ABs are doing. Yeah, yep. I don't know about that from Chick. I mean, they've lost six games in a row, and uh, to be honest, he got off pretty lightly. Really, he wasn't under. Well, wasn't compared under to that well, much compared, compared to, to what Alistair Cox Hughes is exactly, going to go yeah. through for the moment over yeah, in yeah. SA, and it, it's showing <laughs> they're brutal. I guess it's showing yeah, he's uh, only where just the started in the role. I think true. the beauty of what Chick's done was he turned him around so quickly, mm-hmm. so everyone believes, and that's why. And and I'm a Checker fan, as everyone knows, but. What's the point of talking about getting rid of the coach? Like, who's the next best? Who was who was were people that's talking he, about? That, no, that's what he's saying. Oh. Like, the fact that he didn't. But w- I'm glad we he had enough credit a, in the bank. I'm glad as a country we didn't start talking that rubbish because that doesn't solve anything. We did that with Eddie Jones in 2005, and then we're in a hole for two years. So for me, you just got to no, no one was actually seriously entertaining that thought, were they? I don't think so. But that's what I'm saying. I'm, the okay. fact that we're not compared okay. to what South Africa. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, because yeah, they want them gone. Yeah, yeah, they want them the gone already. Started. They want they want them all gone. Yeah. What what that has shown is, I guess, where the Wallabies do sit in the picking order at the moment because before this they played New Zealand and England who are probably well, clearly the best two teams in the world at the moment so the, the South Africa victory sort of slightly cleared up the, the picking order and said okay these guys aren't actually useless they're, they're still a, a top tier rugby nation obviously they're, they're just sitting behind those top two countries at the moment but the big one we've seen South Africa more so against New Zealand is home and away so mm. we'll get a better indication of how we go in Pretoria in a few weeks time mm-hmm. You know, you're always confident when South Africa come in here. Not cocky, but you just know that if you're going to beat them once a year, it's going to be at home. It's really hard to go and win over there. So for me, I don't sit here and go, oh, we're clearly a better side than South Africa. Like, I don't think England's clearly a better side than us. Sure, they beat us 3-0, but I think, you know, the Australian side at their best 
can compete with England and we should be able to compete with the ABs. Yeah, there's nothing between Australia, South Africa and Argentina at the moment is there is a, a red hot race for, for second in the championship. And there was nothing between New Zealand and Argentina at the weekend. 60 minutes into that game over in Hamilton and it was New Zealand ahead by just two points. 24-22 the score was and then they went full nutso. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, there was a few people in the office winding me up, asking if I was getting nervous uh, as, as a New Zealand fan. I wasn't really. I, I thought, you know, back them to, to come home strong in the last 20 minutes, but I didn't expect anything like that. It was, uh, yeah, quite an incredible um, d- display that the bench got emptied. The the really interesting point was uh, Steve Hansen subbed off Aaron Smith and Dane Coles, two really senior guys when the game was in the balance, had faith in, in Cody Taylor and, and TJ Perinara, and suddenly the, the line-out started going well. Perinara played really well so yeah it's it's absolutely a 23-man game at the moment and that's I think an area that the the Wallabies can maybe look at as well with Sean McMahon sitting there I think he came on at the 72nd minute or something and that, that's just not enough time to make a, an impact um, for, for a guy that, that really is a, a perfect impact player. Yeah again and that's as I said that's probably got to do with the balance of the back row at the moment and where do you who do you put him on for if Hooper and Pocock are making an impact still so I get that and you know I'm just Still shocked. I, I literally missed 10 minutes of that game and came back and there was about a 30-point difference. Went from mm. four points to 30 in the space of... Felt like a blink of an eyelid. And, yeah, they've, they've got a huge amount of depth and that's what we need to build ourselves to. We need to... And that's, you know, the beauty of these guys being able to come and go from Europe at times. Like, we won't have Guinea all season, I'd imagine. I don't... I don't not sure of that. But like, yeah, they're working, the players are working out sort of their individual deals with clubs, yeah. I think, at the moment. So, yeah. um, so we're yeah. still going to be... It's a bit of a learning stage for this... Um, international rule and it'll take us a couple of years to work it out and Just, try and make it comfortable yeah. yep so they uh, they face off against the Bocker this week down in Christchurch and I think that's going to get ugly I think like you said South Africa's best chance of rolling New Zealand will be back at home where they can potentially try and ride some of uh, their home their fanatical home crowd to victory this weekend I think it just gets very ugly very quickly yeah the Springboks Truly. they look a bit disjointed don't they they don't seem to know exactly how they want to, to play the game. Um, they didn't create anything the other night. Yeah, yeah. Besides, they, they got lucky with a bit of turnover and a couple of interceptions. They did well so, to yeah. pounce, but there was no real creation. It didn't look like there was a whole lot of game plan around what they're looking to achieve. Yeah, Fafta Click still playing well, but Yanchi's his, his form's dipped, and um, yeah, they, they, they don't seem to know whether they want to go all in with that Lions sort of style, or, or they, they're caught in between styles, I guess, the traditional and, and the Lions style. Mornay Stain coming onto the field. What mm. a throwback. Yeah, When they're trying Mornay. to rescue the game, that was crazy. To, he's not the guy to, to throw in on Mornay. a couple of tries. You started with him and probably put Yanchi's yeah. on late Mornay. in the game to spark something. Yeah, yeah. incredible. Uh, so Owen, that, Owen Franks this weekend, just uh, quietly, yep. he's uh, on the verge of uh, creating a very unwanted record, he's played 83 tests, hasn't scored a try. So if he if he can't get a meat pie on the weekend, he uh, takes the record, breaks the record of an Italian uh, prop for most tests without scoring a try. I read somewhere where he was extremely proud of that record, and, yeah. that, and that just sums up why he doesn't he's such care. a phenomenal front rower. No, doesn't he doesn't. Care. He's actually. I reckon if he's over the line, he's going to throw the ball away. That's the impression I got. <laughs> he doesn't want. It. He doesn't want that. He's the ultimate old school prop where he views scoring tries as a sign of weakness. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That yeah. is very good. So yeah, that uh, to come this weekend. Uh, let's just quickly touch on Australia Argentina this weekend, fellas. I love. I love that this game is being played at NIB Stadium because when that place gets to about three quarter full, good atmosphere, really good strong atmosphere. When it's packed, that place is going to be heaving. 
And it'll be late afternoon as well. Late should, afternoon. Uh, should be the sun out, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, let, let's hope that we get some really... Both teams will have positive intent because the Wallabies will be feeling good about themselves. Um, they're going to try and play a bit more. I think Argentina do that anyway now. They, they throw it around. And they played some breathtaking rugby against the All Blacks. It was absolutely sensational to watch um, before they faded. So, yeah, fingers crossed that we can see a great spectacle. Well, yeah, the great spectacle, that's what I'm after. And that's what the people in Perth need. You know, they've had a few tough lean years with their Super Rugby side, the four. So, yeah, I'm glad they've picked it at that stadium because they'll pack it, it'll be pumping. But just really, more importantly, you want to win, but you want the people of uh, Western Australia to get, get over there and, and go and have a good day of rugby out there. You don't see too many four-try bonus point <laughs> matches at NIB Stadium. Not for the Not home, for the home, team home anyway. side, no. <laughs> no. It's been, a, it's been a tough couple of years, hasn't it, Sean? It's the curse of Maloney. Yeah. Every That's time me. he gets on a plane to go to Perth... The points dry up. Yeah, the points dry up and the field it just drenches down. Yeah. I think you just... Are the conditions good? You're not, this, are you're the not conditions, going this week? No, I'm not going. I'm not going anywhere near. So the, the signs are good then? The signs are very good for this weekend between the Wallabies and Argentina. Uh, what else do we have to wrap up, guys? We're going to leave NRC this week to a new podcast coming to the Fox Sports Rugby website hosted by Andrew Swain, who's calling a lot of the action in the NRC alongside Ken Anderson and Cam Shepard as well. So that's going to um, that's going to all be up in your ears in the days to come, and that'll be a weekly thing as well. Uh, very quickly on the NRC, we're not going to steal their thunder, but uh, some real a real shining light out of that. We'll touch on that right now. Uh, I want to talk records. Simon Cron, the Rays coach, the Sydney Rays coach, has gone three from three in the NRC and has won 13 straight, leading into that with the Shoot Shield side, Northern Suburbs. 16 straight. It's like Steve Hansen. Yeah, it's a full season pretty much, isn't it? I think... Uh Take that. We spoke about it the other night on the show in our extra time, but momentum's huge in sport. And when you, you get a core group of players that are in that north side, the north side that are now in the race side, they're undefeated. They they just think they can't lose at the moment, and it becomes a you know just a machine. It just keeps rolling and rolling. So undefeated. Top of the table clash is Sydney Rays versus New South Wales Country Eagles this Saturday at Pittwater Park. We'll be a screamer. It's been great, the fact that the ARU dropped four Sydney teams down to three, because mm. straight away we see an immediate impact in the quality, and that's all we want. This competition needs to have quality games regularly, and the Rams, although the Rams have lost three straight, they've been competitive. They've been unlucky in a lot of those, so it's a good competition, the NRC. This is um, early days. But I think the footy's been better this year than it has the previous two. Without doubt. No, yeah. no question. The yeah. quality's more, more Super Rugby players and Wallabies players uh, getting in involved in a non-World Cup year. So it's, just it's, been, it's, it's just been better. And day games. The skill level the and the day me. games. Yeah. Yeah, the, these guys are amateur players, essentially most of them. So most of them are used to playing in day games. That transition to Super Rugby and night games isn't as easy as people think. So, yeah, the fact that there's, you know, every game is like one or three o'clock Saturday, Sunday. It's just um, it's a club club rugby attitude for them, which is good. It is. It's a great development, not just for the players, but the coaches as well. You mentioned Simon Cron, and I think Super Rugby clubs are sort of circling for his services, and uh, Daryl Gibson, uh, I think, is keen to get him on board. So, yeah, great opportunity for coaches to, to earn Says you well. another Kiwi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what we need. Yeah, that's More we need. Kiwis in Australia, yeah. setting yeah. up camp, having fun, having a yeah. laugh. What about Sam Sam Jeffries, the big hit from the weekend? Yeah, well, worth having that. a look online at uh, the Big Red Rebel, Sam we Jeffries. We watched the Big Red's younger brother play for Nudge versus Terrace on Saturday up with the other rugby Is that show. right? He's taller than Sam Jeffries. Bigger than another the big, big flame. A big, big red rebel. Yeah, another big, big flame. Oh, he's a boy. funny dude. He's very good. He's a funny dude, Sam Jeffries, uh, going around with the Rebel Rising at the moment. Okay, guys, that's us, Sun and Dust. So we'll just focus on 
the Test Match Rugby cutting around. Don't forget you can watch the other rugby show throughout the week, Wednesday night, 7.30, followed by Rugby 360. It's a hell of a other rugby show coming tonight, I can tell you folks. You will have a lot of fun dialing into that. And What happens we'll- tonight? Uh, there's some great, there's some rugby golf. Yeah, uh, how'd that go for you? Can't remember. Uh, what else did we have? I'll give you a little bit of a lead into the rugby golf. Oh, uh, par three, Maloney and Gregan, twenty-five on a par three. Dear, oh dear. And you don't you see George Gregan break. You see you George Gregan can eat the hottest chili I've ever seen in my life and just cough. That was clutch. But as soon as his golf partner starts to go a bit it wasn't astray. even my golf mate it wasn't even my golf it was the scoring structure that I picked for the rugby goal they turned on each other and it, no no I didn't turn on him you turned on me I didn't I turned on you because I couldn't turn back on the, <laughs> one of the greatest wallabies of all time who was just at me about the scoring yeah. structure he went berserk so, at me so Gregan the ice man can be, uh, can be broken he can, yeah. Yeah. can feel the hurt he does yeah. not like losing George Gregan wow. that's why he's one of the greats that's mm. why we love him okay fellas uh, thank you Sam Wellington thank you Stephen Halls we'll be back again next week hopefully to recap another Wallabies win two on the bounce would be oh so lovely after that long run of outs uh, don't forget one more reminder that the NRC only podcast is on its way this week as well with Andrew Swain steering the ship and we will catch you all again in around about seven days time